Oh, welcome to A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. And whether you are listening to the podcast or watching live on YouTube or watching YouTube later after the show is over, we welcome you. And then I'm very happy to have Wes Woodson tonight. Thank you, Wes, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. I'm excited to be here. I didn't know this was going to be live. I'm so excited this is live. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is a YouTube live. So tell all your friends to join us. Well, it'll go to a podcast. It's going to be available on Spotify and Anchor.fm. And the title is A Gift from Adversity. So I published my book called A Gift from Adversity in 2020. It's available on Amazon. Barnes and Nobles and Booklogics is my publisher. And after I published my book, A Gift from Adversity, the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. A lot of people reached out to me and shared their adversities. And I realized that there's not so much social media or internet maybe platform that is safe for people to share their adversity. And not only focusing on adversity, I wanted to create a platform where people can share their tips and advice, how they overcame their adversity, and then also made it as a gift. So this is why I started it. And you are, Wes, the third guest. We had Deidre, who talked about two active shooting survival stories. And Andy Mack, uh, who survived multiple suicide attempts and then he started a podcast called just believe podcast which he talks about black men's mental health especially and i was on his show as well so today i have wes with me because wes was my son's coach at the ymca in our town and also he has published a book recently but not only that i was able to interview him for my previous podcast and also the tv show and color magazine i was able to interview him write an article and many platforms but today since i started this show again from adversity i really wanted to feature him and his story but without further ado wes please tell us who you are and what you do hello everyone that's a wonderful introduction jerry and i'm so happy to be back on the show with you uh, I've been following with your career and seeing what you and your children have been doing, amazing things. Um, but yeah, my name is Wes Woodson. I am uh, the chief storyteller of The Hidden Company. Well, what we are, we're a life, mental health lifestyle brand, which all is about trying to unapologetically break the stigma that exists around mental health. Aside from that, I'm a professional public speaker. I travel the country and I speak on mental health and schools, colleges, and corporations alike. And I also am an author. Like you said, I published a book uh, called I Have Anxiety, So What? Uh, that's available on Amazon. It's also available on Barnes and Nobles. Um, and it's all about how to understand how to unapologetically own your anxiety. Because I felt that many people, boys, girls, white, black, specifically, even our generation, Generation Z, is we struggle so much with mental health issues, mental health challenges. And the biggest thing is we don't like talking about it. So I wanted to create this book and even with my own brand with The Hidden Company, it's trying to change the story of mental health 
to make it less of a scary taboo thing of talking about and more of something that's that's well recepted and received and being able to talk about just like we're talking about it right now in a very open and transparent fashion so that's who i am i'm super excited to be on this show uh with my lifestyle brand we we, we look to change the story of mental health in kind of four ways. I believe we can change the clothes we wear that actually promote mental health awareness. So that's why we have a clothing brand under this umbrella. I also have uh, a blog and I also, I'm coming out with a podcast on my own later on this year. Uh, so I am super excited because I want, I believe that we can do this much of very much of a holistic approach on trying to raise mental health awareness, uh, the better that we can, we can be. Um, I'm super excited to be here and talk more about it. Wonderful. So I actually grabbed my um, hidden. Yes. Yes. And I love this brand. So how can people get your brand? Where can people go to get the hidden? They can go. I'm not sure if you're you're able to put the website somewhere, but they can go on www.thehidden.com. Co. So that's spelled T H E H I D D E N C O dot com. And there's the there's obviously gonna be a website shop. There's a bunch of merch on there. Uh, you can support the brand. Would love it. Um, we're coming out with more stuff next month. I'm super super excited. Jerry has one of the original pieces, one of the OG pieces. I started this brand three years ago with this mission uh, to really empower and inspire other people to unapologetically be themselves, right? And ah, look at look how nice those are. I love so it. I just changed my clothes um, you're, live. Actually, <laughs> we're wearing the brand too. Uh, my, my hoodie's on the behind the camera. I'm um, wearing, but oh my gosh, thank you, Jerry. I'm so glad you're one of my day one supporters, the OG supporters. Uh, and I, I think when I wore this, or maybe, no, the other one, I was bald, remember? Yeah. I didn't have any hair. Yes, I remember you, you you had shaved your head for um cancer research, right? Uh no, for a pediatric pediatric cancer patient at the children's hospital for them to have uh, like a birthday party, pizza party. So it was a fundraiser. I raised like six hundred dollars. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yes, I know. I remember that. I remember that. Uh so anyways, um why don't we um talk about adversity? I know you have done a lot of things and then accomplished and you're really great at sports and then debate and all that stuff yeah but let's go back and then let's really focus to talk about the show a gift from adversity so i want to start with the part that's adversity can you share our audience what was your biggest adversity my biggest adversity so obviously uh i i think adversity is different uh, from person to person, right? It's a relative experience. And and for me, I've experienced adversity in all forms from the time being one of the few black kids in a white neighborhood uh, to being first diagnosed with a rare skin condition that causes my skin to turn half white, half black. So now I'm being the only black kid in a room, but now I have this rare skin condition that makes me half white, half black. So how do I even fit in? I felt kind of always too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids. I didn't really know who I was uh, kind of as a person. But then even as I grew older and kind of really fighting and trying to find my place in this world, A, as a black man and B, in this kind of white suburb, I faced adversity of, of breaking my leg. That took me away from the sport I grew up loving to play, which is playing basketball. I broke my leg 
when I was a sophomore in high school. And that really knocked me and took me out of my dream sport, my, the, 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 my first love in my life. Uh, but the biggest, the biggest adversity that I believe I have faced uh, right now in my young adult life, I'm 23 years old, even though I look like 12 years old, I have a baby face. Um, but <laughs> the biggest form of adversity that I've experienced now is I went through the biggest like kind of mental breakdown uh, of my life. And that was about two years ago. And I had escaped an abusive relationship. And in this abusive relationship, similar to the topic you talk about in your book, Jerry, about domestic violence, I was a victim of domestic violence. And being in a relationship that you kind of turn to, to validate who you are inside, and then you makes you become so completely blind to all of these red flags. And honestly, when I lost this person, right, and the way that I lost this person, it was kind of like, I'm at the lowest point of my life because I didn't know how to even rationalize in my head, you are a victim of domestic violence. How, how do you even say that as a man, right? Because as, as when you look at the statistics, I think it's like 75%, don't quote me, but there's a large percentage of cases that are primarily female in, who are domestic violence victims. And it's rarely ever men. So as a man, how do I even wrestle with that? Um, and for a while, I didn't know how. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed to talk about it openly with my parents, uh, with my friends, with my siblings. I don't know how do how do you, what do you do with that? And I, at the lowest point of my life, I thought it'd be a lot easier rather than talking about it. Then why not just disappear for a long time, forever? And at the lowest point of my life, having these suicidal ideations and suicidal thoughts, I didn't know how to deal with them. Uh, and I feel like I'm giving you the the whole story that I talk about in my book, but uh, I ended up calling the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And I that was one of the first times in my life where someone else had ever validated how I felt inside, right? Someone told me for the first time, that it's okay to not be okay. And that really just transformed my entire perspective on mental health and more importantly, getting help for mental health challenges. So like the next day after that, I went into the hospital, I was hospitalized, and I essentially really kind of was given three options. The, the first option I was given, I was go and go back to my therapist who I was seeing at the time and be put on antidepressants. The second option I was given where I can live in the hospital and be an inpatient. Or the third option, uh, which is the option I chose, uh, is I could be an outpatient. So I can go to this mental health facility five hours a day, five days a week and basically learn how to coexist with these, with these feelings of anxiety, with this feeling of depression. That's how I was feeling. Uh, so I would stay in that program for about three weeks, and then the biggest adversity happened after that. The day I left the outpatient program, the world shut down, as we can all relate to. Uh, and I had to apply what I learned in the outpatient program into the real world of being forced inside of a room. So to round it all out, that's a very long-winded answer of saying that I have experienced many different forms of adversity in my life. Wow, um, thank you so much. It's a lot to digest uh, for me and then for the audience, but I really appreciate you being very brave and to share on a Gift from Adversity show today. And I've heard your story personally and I've interviewed you before this uh, breakdown, uh, the pediatrical part, and then the, um, you know, your injury as well. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, now that you overcame by writing this anxiety, I have anxiety, so what? That's the book that you wrote. And now you're touring with the book. Yeah. And it follows you and then so you post and then how did that start? Like how did that come out? Like and then, and how many cities have you toured and spoke to how many people? Do you know? So I'm a I'm a I'm a person of faith and I, I gotta say, to answer your question of how it happened, I, I give glory to God all the time uh for how it happened. It was it happened by accident. It happened out of thin air, to be honest with you. I, I wrote the book. Uh, how I wrote the book was, you know, after I would leave and go back home at the end of each day when I was in the mental health facility, um, I had all these notes. And then before I knew it, I had like 200 plus pages of just notes. And a friend of mine who I was telling them about what I was going through, they said, maybe you should turn these notes into a book. And after I turned those notes into a manuscript, they ended up introducing me to a publisher and then that's how the book got published. And I was able to publish a book in under like a year and a half, which is, you know, like you, like you can relate to unheard of. Right. Uh, but then after I published a book, I was approached by two different organizations. One is called dear world. What they do is they, they're a company that's hired by colleges and companies um, to travel the country and teach people the power of storytelling, because I believe, the art of storytelling was has allowed me to a recover myself and it's very much of a cathartic and therapeutic experience for to, for me to share my story but it also inspires someone else to possibly share theirs right so with dear world i'm able to travel the country i think i've spoken roughly at like i don't know 12 different countries in the la like in the last 3 months i think i've spoken to over 3000 people um and that just came out of left field and the second organization I'm, I'm signed to is called Minding Your Mind. Uh, and Minding Your Mind, uh, they're, they're a nonprofit organization uh, that works with schools from, you know, around the state of Massachusetts to New Jersey to Florida. And they are hired by schools to come in there and raise mental health awareness through sharing their story. So with those two organizations, I've been able to tour the country um, speaking to over 3,000 students, uh, I've been in a, I've been a different state, Jerry, uh, like every single like week for the last three months. That stopped right before Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm about to go back on the road again. Uh, but yeah, that's been ridiculously amazing. You know, that's one of my dreams. Yes. It's so amazing that uh, you're living, you know, your vision and my dream also when i originally published my book i wanted to tour with my book but then the pandemic hit so you know it never really happened but um how how is it speaking to this population i mean like you know sharing your story is one of the things but do you have like a q and a after your talk yes yes uh after my mental health talks that i do um, we, there, there is Q and A and I'm being honest, like I get nervous, I get anxious at the end of every talk because, you know, there's a kid out there who could be struggling. And for the people who are listening or who are going to be listening to this show, I am not a licensed therapist. Don't claim to be a doctor. Don't claim to be a psychologist, a, a psychiatrist. I am not a mental health physician or clinician. I am a mental health advocate. I only share, uh, based on my own experiences, right? So at the end of, like, at the end of my presentations, I'm nervous. I'm like, what if I can't answer that kid's question? 
who could be struggling, who could be going through a form of adversity on their own, right? And what if I can't answer their question enough and God forbid they go home and they 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 want to hurt themselves, right? Like that crosses my mind every time I end my speeches. But the flip side is in all of my audiences, part of my like negotiation is I, I demand that there is someone who is a mental health clinician in the audience. So if there, if there is ever a case where I can't answer that person's question, I can direct them to someone who can. And that's kind of what I, I love talking to this younger generation because they have so many questions, so many questions because before in their parents' generation, we didn't talk about these things. And now the mental health conversation is starting to happen now. But back then, the parents, the teachers, didn't, they weren't having these conversations. So these kids have so many questions. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that I get to be a part of the answer, right? I don't have the answer, but I can be a part of the answer. And that's what I love. So what are some of the questions that it stuck um, to you and then just like kind of wowed you? Like, oh, wow, wow like, you know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I get the questions. I mean, you, you get the funny questions of like, um, you know, what's your favorite sport? The most innocent questions like that. But then you'll hear these like very like deep questions like when is suicide an option? Right. Like when is suicide an option? That that was truthfully a question. And the reason why it took me by surprise, because, you know, like, like your face, it's never an option. Right. It's, it's it should never be an option, but you can't answer it like that. Right. You you want to acknowledge what they're trying to get at. Um, so there's been questions like that. One of the wonderful questions I've ever gotten is how do you actually know like what to do when a friend comes to you and tells you that they're struggling mentally? Right. What do you and a kid, I think a sixth grader asked me that question. Wow. And, like, wow. Like, wow. And I told them the truth based on my experience, my best friend, Cole. Right. The day when I got admitted into the hospital, he and I went to go have lunch because he had, he had heard that I was in the hospital. Went to go have lunch when I got out. And I told him, listen, I don't need you to fix me. I don't need you to fix my problem. I just need you to listen. And that's the biggest thing I tell students on the road is that when if you yourself or a friend of yours comes to you and says they're struggling mentally, it's always good to be a listening ear because you don't want to try to fix their problems. Because people who, who are going through these struggles, they don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. And if you could be that that person who could hear them, that's how it's that's how it's uh, better. So for my show, I get from adversity. There's three parts that I really want to focus on. One is adversity, sharing adversity. But the second part of it, quick, um, is to give advice and tips of how you overcame your specific adversity that can potentially empower other people. Yeah. And listen. So what are your tips and then tangible things that if people are going through anxiety and or maybe suicidal thoughts, like, you know, what are uh, the things that you've learned that it's maybe applicable for some situations? Oh, that's a, that's a great, that's a great, great point. And um, it's a great question, too. In my book, I actually break down the chapters, like the whole format of the book that actually answers that question. I break it down in three parts. One, acknowledge, right? Two, reflect. And then the third act, the third tip or the third part of the book is take action. So it spells out this acronym of art. So acknowledge is all about acknowledging where you're at. I think so many times when we find ourselves in a, in a 
anxious or a, a, an experience that is adversity or it comes up as being very much hard or challenging to overcome, we judge it so fast. This sucks. This is terrible. Like, why am I doing this? Why is this happening to me? All this, why, why, why me, why me? And we're so much judging this one thing that it actually causes more anxiety and, and heartache and depression. But if you acknowledge that what happened to you wasn't necessarily your fault, right? It's not necessarily your fault that you were abused. It's not necessarily your fault that your parents, for whatever reason, maybe physically harmed you or don't believe in you or don't validate you. But, but it's your responsibility to move on, right? It's, it's your responsibility to move on. That's something I, I've always told myself. It's not my fault that I was a part of, an, I was in an abusive relationship, right? It wasn't my fault at all. But it was my responsibility to leave. It was my responsibility to get help. It's my responsibility to try to learn these different ways to, to, take, to, to take action. And I think in that one sentence, I kind of explained all these three steps. But the, 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 the second thing of reflect is trying to take inventory of like how this like very much anxious or this anxious or very hard and challenging situation makes you feel inside. But I feel like we don't, we're not really in touch with our emotions. So I, in my book, I talk about actually, you know, taking inventory of what's going on inside of you. Like, you know, when you run a business or when, yeah, we run a bit, it's a perfect example. When you run a business, and you have inventory like I do, like I have merchandise, like you're just what, like what you're wearing. I have to take inventory of like, okay, what do I have on supply? And then what, what don't I have and what do I need to get more of? When we are going through adversity, it's the same thing. How do I feel inside? Am I sad? What's making me sad? What can I do to feel less sad? Do I have to take any action at all? Can I just stay in this one position and just kind of acknowledge my feelings? So maybe that's the best thing I need right now. But then the last part of taking action is my favorite. You can build what I call a dream team, a support system. Like for me, it's my best friend, Cole. I ended up finding and getting into and meeting a wonderful, wonderful person named Katie, my girlfriend. Uh, and I talked to her about my mental health challenges very openly. I have friends like you who we talk about. We talk to about, about what we're going on, what, what we're going through. And this support system, well, it comes together to show me that I'm not alone because when I think when we go through adversity, we think we're the only ones who are going through it, right? So I think those three things uh, used together, they really helped me get out of uh, very adverse situations. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I'm, I'm a survivor of child sex abuse and, you know, bullying and homelessness. And then I... I'm 45 and it happened when I was 13, like between eight to 13, but still affecting me. And I feel the mental health part was never really talked about in Japan. And especially in Japan, nowadays it's changing, but when I was growing up, nobody really mentioned about like, you know, therapy and, you know, going to therapy is almost a shame. And, you know, some people, if they say in the company, they will lose the job because they think it's crazy. But then when I came to America, um, I feel like a lot of people have therapists and then, oh, I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm seeing my therapist. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, it's very like casual thing in a way yeah. that, you know, it's okay to have a therapist and then talk about, 
you know, your mental health or whatever is going on. Yeah. But also, like, you know, there are some tangible techniques, not only the therapy. For me, like uh, EMDR, eye movement, uh, desensitizing, reprocessing was one of the things that I talked about uh, on my book, A Gift from Adversity. Mm. But um, that helped. But sometimes DBT, directed behavior therapy, which is when you're having a panic attack, that you basically say your name, date, like, you know, where you are. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped me too. But mm-hmm. do you have like a moment that you have maybe panic attack or anxiety where like you have this kind of tangible like thing that you can do to help yourself for instance my first guest deidra uh who survived two active shooting situations that when she's getting panicked about maybe there's another active shooter then she has this stone that she holds and then like kind of ground herself wow so do you have something like that that you yeah. have used? Yes. And by the way, Jerry, you you are not 45. You are you are 32. You are <laughs> ever. You are young as ever. You are Oh wait, God. Wait, wait, yes, thank you so much. 45 is young too. I'm just saying you are 32. You're 32. <laughs> thank you. So uh, of course, of course. <laughs> but um to, to answer your question, to answer your question, um, yes, I, I agree. I think you know, those, those therapeutic techniques, I mean, the importance of therapy, right? It's, it's such an important thing. But as for me, what do I do and like tangible things that I use and do when I feel anxious? I mean, just last week, my mom, unfortunately tested positive for COVID-19. So I had to quarantine myself in a hotel room just to remain safe. Right. Uh, and I don't have it. Uh, thank, thank goodness. Um, but in this room, I'm by myself like five five days a week by myself in this room and I'm feeling on edge. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling even depressed because I'm an extroverted person. I need to, I need, I like to feed off other people's energy, just like you, right? Like we're extroverted people. I need other people to be around me. So when I'm alone and I, I don't mind being alone, but for five days a week straight, it's pretty, it's pretty like just depressing, right? So what I find is helpful for me is it's gonna it's gonna sound so funny, but it works for me. I love to take showers, hot showers, and and I don't even mean like just like washing my body. I just mean like being in the hot shower. I treat it similar to like going to the gym and sitting in a sauna, right, and just kind of steaming out. But what I found is like when I get to like sit in a hot shower, I start to really start to think and really get into my head in a very good way. I, I would say, and it works for me. It might not work for you, but and all of our watches out there, but it works for me. The second thing I love to do when I get anxious that way helps me is there's nothing better for me than a good plate of food. Like I love to eat. Like I, I love to eat. I know I'm a little bony, whatever, but like I love to eat. And when I when I eat, it just reminds me, it's like, that's what they call a comfort food. It brings me a sense of comfort. Um, but outside of that, when I was in the mental health facility, they, they taught us the importance of a, of a toolbox. Right. So it's a metaphorical, invisible toolbox that we all have that in that toolbox, there are strategies and positive coping mechanisms that we can use to learn how to coexist with these uncomfortable feelings that we have. Right. So for me, it's exercising. I love to watch Netflix and do really nothing else. I love to journal every night. My girlfriend and I, we practice the art of gratitude. So we pick three things from our day to be grateful for. Um, we call it the grateful threes. Uh, and 
that's what I find to do. And it helps me feel less anxious and less alone. Wow, those are amazing techniques just to share with you since the movie is out, Don't Look Up on Netflix that my son and I got to be a part of. My part was um, outside and then I didn't have to quarantine but the self-quarantine at home. But Jaden had a big scene with Mark Rylance who's an Oscar-winning um, actor of Sir Mark Rylance from um, England that um, since we got to be like very close contact with the crew without the mask he had to quarantine in a hotel for eight days and we're not allowed to go out the door at all wow. ppe and uber eats pick up from the lobby that's the only time we're allowed to go and Jaden even goes like Jaden didn't even go step like outside he didn't even go but wow. the good thing was um we had a zoom karate trumpet like you know school everything was you know zoom and that really helped and then i i, I got some bruises from him kicking me and then doing the sparring with me <laughs> but anyway food you know really helped me because uber eats i got amazing sushi like this southern food and then hot shower I, I like hot tub so i brought like the bubble bath thing and i i did bubble bath a couple times and then i did get anxiety trust me and then be able to not go out for eight days from your room it was very very challenging but you know uh, to you know um kind of reflect what you're saying um, you know, some toolbox that you like, you know, have like strategically have access to. Yeah. I think it's important that you have the mental note whenever that happens. Like my friend Deidre, that she has this stone to remind herself to ground herself whenever yeah. it feels. So, and then your case is a hot shower, yes. road. So, you know, when you feel anxiety next time, just over Uber Eats and then DoorDash. And I, I drive for Uber Eats. So maybe See? I'll do <laughs> and I want to. I want to say I can't believe right now mm. that I am talking to a celebrity. I'm talking to a celebrity. I'm talking to a celebrity, and I, I I'm gonna say it because when I watched the movie, yes, everyone listening, go watch. Do don't look up. It is a great movie. Five five out of five. Ten out of ten. Hundred out of hundred. Great film. Funny, engaging. Uh, seeing Jury and her son Jaden on it was just. I, I had to pause it and rewind it. I was like, oh, look at that little cute boy right there. That's, I remember him. Like, he was like, he's, he's like so bold. He has such presence. And then seeing you on the screen, I was like, I know her. I know her. And I remember I paused it. I took a picture. I'm going to send it to you after that. I took a picture. And I was like, I know her. I really know her. So to be in your presence right now, I'm, I'm super honored and just grateful to be in the presence of a celebrity. Honestly. Well, thank you so much. Just to you your autograph. <laughs> Thank you. But anyways, I'm very honored to be an amazing mega hit movie. And then that's one thing though, like, you know, I had attempted, you know, I tried to kill myself when I was 15 after surviving the sexual abuse. And then mm. had I succeeded that I would never be on a movie with Jennifer Lawrence, Melania Caprio and the Mel Street. And then you just never know. And then that's the thing though, when you're talking to especially young kids, and then when you're traveling uh, with your book, and then people ask about like, you know, suicide and then just, you know, depression. You know, if I had known that at 45, if I had lived, that I would be in this movie with my son, with this mega stars, maybe I would have a second thought about uh, it. Nobody knows what's gonna happen to you, right? Nobody knows. But look, right. look, look at you, like you're here now and you're accomplishing right. all these wonderful things. <laughs>
Excuse That's me. true. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to wrap up our show. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. And then um, I just want to talk about the last part of the question, which is a gift. So what is a gift that you think you learned from these adversities? The gift uh, is, well, the ultimate gift from these 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 examples of adversity that I have in my life uh, is the gift of self-awareness, right? Like I've, I've learned and even just self-confidence and self-esteem. I, I honestly believe, even when I look back at the old interview that you and I have had on TV and um, in your, on your podcast, I, I see a starting difference in myself, right? I, I, I think I speak with a different level of assertiveness. I have, like you said before, that mental note to like dig into that toolbox and how to positively cope. Because like, you know, even if make an example of before I was even in an abusive relationship, before I even got to the, to the hospital, the way I used to cope with my anxiety is I would avoid it. I wouldn't acknowledge it. I would just, I would judge it. I would start to hyperventilate. I get the chills, I get the sweats, I got the shakes. And I would just feel like I would talk so negatively to myself. And I didn't bite my nails and it, it would be bad. I have to pick my skin. It was terrible, right? But now, now when I notice that the anxious feelings are coming up, now it's got so good that I can even start to proactively get ahead of it and know what's going to trigger my anxiety. And then when the anxious feelings come, because they will come, like anxiety, there's no cure for anxiety. I think that we, we all are anxious to some degree. It's just a matter of what we do with it. And I'm, I feel like I have learned now how to better channel my anxiety, right? Because even before this call, I was anxious. What am I going to say? I'm in, I'm in the presence of a celebrity. What am I going to say? What, what am I going to say? I, I, I don't want to mess up, you um, know? We have Netflix executives watching this post, potentially. I, got, I can't mess up, you know what I mean? So I knew I was anxious, but I know how to channel that anxious energy into other places. And that is only due to my gift of self-awareness, I truly believe, based on the things I, I went through. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. My gift is a yeah. perspective that I learned. And then I I told uh, for the previous shows that had I not had these adversities, I would not have had this gratitude and then humbleness of being on this movie or doing these things that I really love, being a journalist and then having these two children who I dearly love and then the moments even like small moments today, we went to sledding and they were laughing and mm -hmm. giggling. And those moments, like I really cherish because growing up and have those kind of moments, I was mm -hmm. heavily abused. So, you know, a perspective like that. And I really like how, what you said about the self-awareness and mm -hmm. then how maybe if you didn't um, experience these adversities, maybe, um, and then speaking of it and then being advocate for it, I think that maybe healed you a little bit too. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! And I, I, I know that your children are honestly blessed and honored to have a mom like you because you. I think that perspective too, and it's made you like a wonderful mom, right? Like I think it's made you a wonderful person, an actress, an entrepreneur, an investor, like all the things you are doing. That perspective has been the greatest gift for you, I imagine. Right, like that's wonderful, and just, it, me being able to watch and be a fan from afar is just like you're doing amazing stuff. Well, thank you so much. I'm a big fan of you, Wes, as well. I follow you, like you no know, touring. I'm so proud of you, thank and I'm you. wearing your March, the Hidden. So people check out the Hidden. Yes. And 
and also check out his book. Uh, I have anxiety. So what? By Wes Woodson. Yeah. You Google it; it comes right up. Yeah. And I have been knowing Wes for about what five five years or so. Long, long time. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Around that time, I think so. Yeah, I moved to uh, this town in 2015 and then joined YMCA. So I've seen him being like maybe teenager, I guess. Yeah. You know? Nineteen. Yeah. No. Yeah. And 18. then. Yeah, 18, 19, and then now he became such an amazing, inspirational figure, touring with his book, and then having this design, and then you had TED Talk, too. Yes, you did a TED Talk. Did a TED Talk. That's so amazing. That's You actually live in my dream, because <laughs> I want to be on a TED Talk. I want to do book tour, so you have to give me some tips. But I got you. I always will. But anyways, I really appreciate you coming on my show and specifically talking about the adversity and a gift from adversity. And it's not an easy topic to talk about, but I totally, like, completely appreciate you for your, for you being so, so brave and open to our audience. And I'm sure our audience really appreciate your, you sharing your experiences. Of course, of course. And thank you for having me and giving me the platform to just share. I hope both of our stories can touch someone in a positive way. Uh, I know they do. I know they do. Just with your book and my book as well. But you, I know your book is opening so many doors and shedding so much light on what some people feel like are just a lonely form of darkness. Well, thank you. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to A Gift from Adversity. My next guest is going to be Yosef Israel next week, Tuesday, and Alison Mazil uh, from um went on wednesday and then we have joe mcgee on the 23rd which is sunday so we have wonderful guests coming on a gift from adversity so stay tuned thank you everybody thank you everybody and thank you wes again thank you